This is episode 97 of the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA. My name is Jonathan Wiley and this is Mindy Carney. Hello. Episode 97. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you getting at there? I don't know. We're getting close. We, I guess we talk about this every time, too, don't we? We probably shouldn't talk about it every time, no. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> What's we're going to get happen? to episode 100 and people are going to be like, oh, what did they do for episode 100? And we're like... Well, hi. <laughs> just the usual just stuff. Just the usual episode. <laughs> a wet, rainy day today. Yeah. So seems like a good day to podcast. Yeah, right. But well, it is Friday. It is Friday. Which means I'm probably going to have a lot of editing today. No, do. I'm going to be very disciplined today. It does not sound like the Mindy Carney I know. <laughs> I know, I know. We've got a ton of news and follow-up, it looks like. We do have some, yeah. Yeah, okay. First one is... Live translated captions in Google Meet are available as a beta that you can sign up for now. Hmm. Did we know this was coming? I do not think we did. We didn't. Okay. Because they, I, I mean, the live captions in Google Meet have been around for a while. Correct. So this is neat that it's translated. So I'm assuming you just go in and choose your native language, right, from like a drop down and then it just translates for you. Yeah, because Skype had this feature for a while, I think. There was Skype Translator or something Mm -hmm. they called it. So it is out there in other formats. But um, yeah, I think it's good. I could could see some instances, like if your parents uh, don't have English as their native language, and and then you could have a conversation back and forward at conferences or something and and have those things translated. But it is a sign-up thing right now because okay. it's still in beta. There's a, a link we'll put in the show notes where you can fill in a form and say, sure, sign me up. Nice. I'd like to try it. All right. Continuing on with Google Meet. Yes. So new updates also coming for Meet yeah. as well as the, the beta sign-up one. So they're moving that Meet link for Google Classroom. The one that used to be up there in the header right. is now going to move kind of into the sidebar navigation there now. And it will have a big button that you can press to either set up the Meet link or to join a Meet link. Okay. They've also, if a student joins before the teacher... They end up in a waiting room. Oh, that sounds familiar. Which is a nice feature, isn't it? But yes, yeah. waiting rooms. Who would Who would have ever thought? Thunk of that. That's a good idea, right? Good job, Google. I'm glad we're we're on that one. Um, students not on the roster must request to join. Oh, so okay. if your students outside of your Google Classroom, sure. they can still request to join yeah. your meeting. And I think I read somewhere that this was also available for like maybe other adults, if you had other teachers in your district or something, they could request join too. Nice, okay. And co-teachers are going to be meeting hosts by default. Nice. Which is good. Yeah, it makes sense, so. Does make sense. Yeah. Oh, and one more. Hand raising is coming too. You can raise a virtual hand to attract the attention of your teacher. All right. I felt like that that was coming like a gazillion years ago. I think that might be one of the ones that were coming and just hasn't, hasn't come got here yet, yet okay. but I think it's coming. All right. <laughs> Again. Next one on our list is yeah. one that I think some people on our team have been excited by. Are you excited yeah. by this one? No, I don't. So no. the ability to create meeting notes in Google Calendar. Yeah. I've seen people on Twitter excited about this, people on our sure. team excited about this. I don't know if this is something I would use or not, but yeah. if you set up a meeting with people and you want a quick way just to have a quick meeting template thrown together, yeah. you can click on a link on the calendar invite and it opens a meeting 
template doc for you. Okay. Now, at Grant Wood, most of the time, we already have meeting templates for yeah. most of the meetings we go to. But right. maybe if I was going out to a school and I was visiting with some people and I just wanted to have some quick notes taken in some kind of format that made sense, then yeah. this could be a good place to do it. Maybe if you're an instructional coach and you're going around meeting with a teacher, you can just click on the calendar invite, meeting notes, bang. Yeah. You've got it up there. It's got action items. It's got um, notes and space for attendees and the dates already filled in and everything. Oh, I love it when they take attendance at meetings. Isn't that the yeah. best? <laughs> oh, I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> glad Mindy, <I> came. Mindy. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right, so another update for Google, and I think this one is a little questionable and maybe a little confusing too, yes. but they think it's more clear. <laughs> the present button in Google Slides, you know, when you come to present your slide deck, yes. is changing and it's now going to be called the slideshow button. <sighs> yeah, it says, we hope it makes it clearer when you're beginning a slideshow and when you're sharing your screen in Meet. But isn't slides a slideshow? It's about presenting it into a full screen. Yeah. Why was that confusing before? I didn't think it was confusing yeah, before, okay, but okay. I think somebody looked at inside of Google Meet, you know, when you go to share your screen, yeah. the button says present. Yeah. And the button in Google Slides also says present. Okay. But they do different things. Okay. One's That's, screen okay. share yeah. and one's present okay. a slide deck. I feel like they should just have changed the button in Meet to screen, to screen share. share. Yeah. Mm. But okay, 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 it is what it is. It is it's yep. there if you're looking at it and you see it on your screen and you're surprised why it's there. And then you know it's it's Google wisdom. Yeah, we yeah. are not to question why. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Did you see this update no, for I'm, Zoom? I'm just clicking on it because I have not seen this. I missed this. This one okay. went straight past my um, radar. Yeah, but I think this was from like August or something. Oh, this okay. one came out. There's a new focus mode inside of Zoom where if the teacher turns it on, okay. the teacher can see all the students, but the students can only see the teacher. Oh. They can't see their peers. Oh. So it's like they have their cameras turned off. Yeah. Their cameras are all on because the teacher can see everybody. Right. And the idea is that the students are not distracted by their peers who might be making faces or, you know, holding up signs or they have pets in the camera or, or whatever else. Right. Well, and, and, so you, and student privacy then too, right? Like I know yeah. some, there's a lot of argument about whether or not students should have to have their cameras on or not. And, you know, the argument would be is that you know, students have the right to be private about where they are, you know, Zooming from. Mm -hmm. But this would allow, you know, teachers to still see students' faces and still having that be private to the rest of their class. Yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah. So it's called focus mode mm. and it's available in Zoom. I did not know that. Only available in the Zoom client. So you need to have the, the app on your desktop uh -huh. somewhere and dig around in the settings and you should find focus mode. Otherwise, I'll put a link on there for... How to find it for you? Our too. next like team Zoom meeting, I'm just I'm gonna go in because usually those are my meetings. I'll just go in and be like, <laughs> "You can only see me today." Hi. Yes, we would love that. <laughs> the main Mindy. attraction is here. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! Okay. Swiftly moving on. <laughs> Expeditions Pro. Uh, okay. We talked about that yeah. recently, didn't we? We did. And you and I have played with that a little bit, a little bit. in our in our team meeting yeah. just to try. I thought we'd just give an update for people yeah. Yeah. if you hadn't gone back and looked at it yet mm -hmm. but it is 
kind of out of beta, I believe. The Android app is available in the Google Play Store. Okay. So Expeditions Pro, this is the the company that are looking to pick up from Google Expeditions and replace that functionality. Yeah. They have said the Apple iOS app is coming soon, but it's not available yet. And they're going to try and get it onto other VR headsets as well. So oh. interesting. Yeah. Uh, everything that is there now is supposed to remain free. So you can do things like guided tours. Right. You, and, you know, you can point things. You can annotate on the screen. You can mm-hmm. do all the things that you could do with Google right. Expeditions. So all that stuff is free. Anything that is released after now, I guess, um, could be part of a premium plan and would be something you would pay for. But okay. they said they are committed to keeping all the Google Expeditions no. features free. That's so good. if nothing else, that's good. Yeah. So they don't have, you know, right kind of when, um, well, I feel like when I was kind of finishing what I did with Expeditions, it feels like it was probably 2019 before um was probably the last training I did with Expeditions. Yeah. They had the AR stuff within. Yeah. That did not come over, though, right? There's no AR stuff in yeah. Expeditions Pro right yeah, now. It's right. just all VR tours. Got it. Yep. And there's no list of tours. Like, you know, there was that Google spreadsheet that was kicking around for a while where yeah. you could search through and find stuff quickly. Yeah. They don't have a list of that. But they said that was because right now they are just getting inundated sure. with content from everyone, all their yeah, partners and stuff. Right, he said right. once that settles down, they'll try and put a list together for people. Got it. Nice. Okay. Last but not least on our list, yeah. I was curious what you thought about this I'm item not, I'm here. looking at it right now. Okay. Okay. You can look and I'll just yeah. tee it up for yeah, our listeners sure. here. Sounds good. There is a company called uh, learnplatform.com mm-hmm. who put together the top 40 EdTech tools that are being used by students and teachers across the United States. Okay. So there's a breakdown of the top 40 tools on here. Mm-hmm. And I was curious if what you thought. And, you know, yeah. are there any new ones on here that surprised you or anything that's missing you didn't see? In fact, there's one that's missing. I'm, I'm curious if you spot it or not. Uh-huh. But um, what do you think of this list? Well, I'm still um, scrolling, scrolling. So number one on the list is Google Docs. Yes. Um, I think it's interesting then that Google Drive is number four. Because <laughs> how do you use one without the other? I guess. Or why yeah. is Google Drive even one of the, like... I mean, you could go to docs.google.com. Dot new. <laughs> or doc.new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I do not see Seesaw in here. That was the one. Yeah. That was the one I was thinking about. That's There's, super interesting. I can't believe Seesaw is not one of the 40 most used ed tech tools. I, I find that hard to believe. Me too. But history.com is number 29, which history.com is a fantastic website, Um I'm just looking through some of these other ones to see. There's nothing that I don't recognize. I mean, in the top 10, there's a lot of Google stuff. There's Docs, Slides, YouTube, Drive, Forms, Classroom, Sites, and Sheets. Yeah. The only things in the top 10 that are not Google things are Zoom and Kahoot. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Some brand new entries this year. So they must have done this before. Yeah. So Blukit, which we've talked about as a tech nugget previously, came in at number 36. Yep. Pear Deck, Mm -hmm. which we have talked about a lot. Yes. Came in at 28. Yep. And Jamboard, straight in at number 22. Yeah. Huh. 
I feel like I'm reading the top 40 charts. I know, Casey Kasem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. But oh sure my gosh, I forgot. Yes, okay. Yeah. It's pop culture. All right. So. Yeah, that's super interesting. I guess, um, you know, when I look at some, I'm surprised that Wikipedia is number 11. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I think Wikipedia is a fantastic tool. I do think that I often hear people talk about how they ask students not to use Wikipedia. Or maybe they, maybe that song has changed and they are looking at Wikipedia to then find, I always think it's great for like keywords then that I can search further um, or to find resources and references within there, because Wikipedia does have some of that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that if you want to dig deeper into a Wikipedia article at the bottom, it will have yeah. all the resources right. and references for where they got that information, right. and you can go check it and see yeah. what you think of that. But but yeah, there's no shockers on here. I am, I, I to take that back, I do think that seeing Padlet on here maybe surprises me a little bit. Yeah, because it's, you know, the paywall on Padlet mm -hmm. is, but maybe people are still utilizing those free ones they got all those years ago now. Yeah. yeah. Padlet is up one place from last year. Yeah. It's a good tool. It's a great tool. It's just unfortunately kind of expensive. So we have cool math games at number 19. Yeah, Did you see everybody that? Everybody loves cool math games. Yeah. Yeah. For better, for worse. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. We'll yeah. link to this in the show notes if you want to go and see what um, the results of this survey. Yeah. Based on uh, 2 million students and over 250,000 educators. I'm not sure exactly where they got their information yeah, from, sure. but you can dig in and it, it has a link at the bottom that says, want to know more about yeah. how we did this report. You can see that there, but uh, lots of familiar things you'll see on yeah. there. Up next, serve to you piping hot. Jamming with Jamboard. We should have actually ended with talking about how Jamboard moved up the list. That was the perfect segue, and it was it's a missed opportunity now. It's a missed opportunity, we but can't here we go are. Back. I mean, if we were proper podcasters, that's what we would have done. <laughs> but we're not. No. Nope. Nothing proper about us. Nope. No. Just okay. A little side gig. Yeah, so we um Want to talk a little bit about Jamboard because it is a really popular tool and explain a little bit about what it is and why you might use it. So do you want to start the conversation? You want me to start the conversation? Mindy. You want me? Who is Jamboard? Who, is, who are you? <laughs> um, okay, so Jamboard, I mean, how old is it? Jamboard's like fifth birthday now. How long has Jamboard been around, do you think? That is a great question. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Someone so should have done some research. Somebody should have maybe looked that up before we got started today. So um, Jamboard is what I would um, describe it kind of as a endless whiteboard uh, that allows you to um, add post-its to it. it um, you can add images. You can add GIFs. You cannot add hyperlinks, which I'm assuming someday that's coming, although we will talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Feature requests. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it's an it has all of the Google sharing capabilities. Anyone with the link can view. Um, you probably want it to be edit if you are using it with your students. But it's just like an open space, right, where students can kind of add their ideas and their thoughts. Um, I think we first started – talking about Jamboard a lot more after Padlet went paid because we used yeah. Padlet kind of in this way prior to this. So just that digital bulletin board area. Um, 
yeah, so I don't know. Did I explain it well enough? I think that covers it, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the kind of tool that if you have used Padlet a lot, this one serves similar features. Yeah, it doesn't not have quite all as the same, not right. quite. And yeah. I'd say the same for things like, you know, Whiteboard Chat yeah. or Whiteboard.fi. Sure. You know, it, it's that online collaborative space where students can get on and, and do some annotation and feedback and collaboration. So. Right. And it became wildly popular, you know, at I, I would say last year it became wildly popular because yeah. people were using it um, in their Google Meet or Zoom calls uh, to kind of gather thoughts and ideas of students in a digital way. Um, so the nice thing about it, I think, is that it's it's the way of like kind of taking notes but having it in a digital place so that it's more accessible to your students. And it's a great way to collaborate um, when you're not in the room with someone or to keep those ideas that you've, you know, collaborated with your classroom um, so that it's accessible at home, like for notes or something like that. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great for like uh, brainstorming yeah. topics. Maybe you're starting a new topic and you want to do like a KWL type mm -hmm. of thing, have right. everybody throw up ideas. What do you already know about the water cycle yeah, or something? Sure. Right. And, and see what kids have on there too. Um, I think it's grown in flexibility, though. I yes. mean, we'll talk about this a little yeah. bit, but ever since, you know, you've been able to put like a background image on there, mm -hmm. I think that really helped people step up their yeah. game in terms of, well, this could be any graphic organizer I want now. Right. All I need is the image for the background, throw it up there, yeah. and then we can sort our sticky notes, we can type, we can mm -hmm. write, we can do whatever we need on there. Yeah, which is, I mean, kind of taken i think google slides i mean we we i love google slides i think it's a super powerful tool and um that's what i always loved about google slides is that it had the ability to kind of add a template and then everybody could have their own copy but yet it was all kind of in this collaborative space so i could look at other people's notes or whatever um the thing about google slides is that i think it's harder to I think I I'll take that back i think about jamboard is that it's a little bit of a quicker setup yeah. Than Google Slides is because Jamboard has all of has some of those tools just easily built in with a button like the Post-it Note feature or I mean just the ability to just click on stuff as opposed to Google Slides you might have to click into a menu or pull something down or you know create a box first. So although Google Slides is still more powerful and has the ability to add files into it of sorts like adding audio and that kind of stuff. Um, I do think that Jamboard is a quicker win to just make it right away in the morning when you're getting ready to teach your kids as opposed to like, oh, geez, I have to try and get this Google Slide Deck put together. It's never going to happen, right? Yeah, Google Slides, I think, you know, it's one of those really flexible tools. It's almost like the one tool to rule them all sometimes yes, right. that, you know, you can make it do a whole bunch of things, but... You know, should you make it do this? Yeah. Uh, is it always the best tool for this? Yeah. I mean, you know, yes, you don't need to learn another tool. You can just use Google Slides to do your, you know, your digital storytelling book, sure. to do your flyers, to do your graphics, to yeah. do whatever. But like you said, it's sometimes just quicker. If you want to do like a brainstorming whiteboard type thing, why not just use Jamboard? It's already set up yeah. and, and good to go. You don't have to do too much modification or anything on there too. And the last thing I would say about um, maybe Google Slides and Jamboard, if we're kind of tossing them into the ring together, is that the Google Jamboard app is amazing and has some different features in it than you would find online. 
I don't think the Google Slides app is amazing. I would agree. It's not as user-friendly. Jamboard is so user-friendly. Yeah, this Google Slides app probably has less features. Yes. (laughs) Quite a lot less features in in many ways. Yeah. Hey, so we had this conversation just off the air that maybe it might be worth throwing on the record here too. But you were talking about, because we were going back and forward between why you might use Jamboard and Slides. Oh, yeah. But you were talking about pencil and paper because there's a lot of times where sometimes, you know, it's, we talk about, well, it's just quicker to use Jamboard instead of Slides. Yeah. Well, it may just be quicker to get a piece of paper and, and oh, write right, on it with right. a pencil. Yeah. Pros and cons for that. Mm. So I am, and I, I mean, I feel like a broken record sometimes. I love and much more prefer to write things down and paper. Um, I do think that if you're using Jamboard in a powerful way where it's collecting ideas or thoughts or allowing kids to kind of chew on ideas and and share what they're thinking about. Um, That often can get lost in the, um, first of all, in the classroom time, because there's only so much time that you have with your students. And so a lot of times those things get pushed to the end. And so at the end of the class period, maybe we're scurrying to do some of that chewing of the content. Um, and we might need to come back the next day and get back to that part of it. Yeah. Um, if I'm writing that down on a post-it note or a graphic organizer or whatever, which really is beneficial to me, I might come back the next day and be like, I can't find my post-it note with all those amazing thoughts. So the one thing about having students then um, add those thoughts to a digital space, they can still do paper and pencil. I think it's important to kind of archive those thoughts in a digital space so that they're more accessible to students when they come back the next day. You know, you've got control of that Jamboard. You can share it back out with students um, the next morning or whatever. But also it gives kids the opportunity to take those things and have them, if they have that access at home, you know, to look over and maybe add to things as they need. Or, you know, I mean, some kids might really enjoy looking at the thoughts of others. And if you just keep it on your own little piece of paper, That's true. you know, mm-hmm. and keep it to yourself, um, it's, not very, it's not as much of a collaborative experience. So um, that's why I think it's important to have some of those collaborative digital spaces like Jamboard. Yeah, and you know, we are digital learning consultants right, and most yeah. people come to us looking for digital solutions. But, right. you know, sometimes we might just say, you know, you could use a tool, but it's just, yeah. just as efficient to not, yeah, you know, right. sometimes. Yeah, but right. I think, yeah, there's definitely some pros for, for using Jamboard, like yeah. you said, just for being more organized and being collaborative and, and seeing what other people are having their thoughts on slides too. All right, so... Favorite features about Jamboard, Mindy? What are your go-to things? Um, I like the um, well, I like the ability to have, like you had mentioned, you know, a background image on it. I don't think that that's unique to Jamboard, but I do think that it is a nice feature that Jamboard has. Um, and I mean, stickies are so easy. Yeah. Stickies are so easy. And there it's like a limitless amount of stickies. So if you, you were to try and do it in Google Slides, you'd have to make a sticky every single time. The limitless amount of stickies is fantastic. Unlimited post-it notes. Yeah. I mean, that's I what every it. teacher wants, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and we talked about the mobile app having some, oh, yeah, right. some fun features mm-hmm. too. Uh, that auto draw stuff that they yeah. have on the iPad, and I swear it must be on Android as well because it's a, a Google right? thing. Yep. But you know where you can draw a shape with your finger, and it yep. automatically snaps to mm-hmm. a regular shape. Handwritten text turns into type text, right? And the drawing tools, well, you know, people have mixed success with this, yeah. don't they? You know, yeah. where you try and draw a cat, and it will hopefully suggest a cat for you. So that is, I think, an interesting thing to think about. Um, the Like I, you know, we both now have said, like, the app itself is pretty powerful and it has even more features than the online version, which, you know, for some schools is great. For some schools, it's not going to make any difference. The one thing that I would point out, unless this has changed, um, is that... Within the app, though, you don't have the ability to anyone with the link can view or edit. You have to sign in to use the Google Jamboard app, which runs into problems with most of our users who are using iPads these days. Yeah. Or elementary students who maybe aren't logging into their Google account. So, Or they're using shared iPads. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so... And maybe that's changed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has, but I do think that that's one of the hiccups about um, the app that I wish would go away, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think it might be a restriction just based on like the, the platform because it's sure. a web link and how do you display yeah, a web right. link in an app? You'd mm-hmm. have to have some pop-up browser or something yeah. and then it's you don't get all the features. So. Yeah. Something I found today, though, yeah. as we were getting ready for the podcast, okay. I'm, I should maybe have saved this for a tech nugget because I think this is just so good, but it's probably just because I don't use the Jamboard app version very much, yeah. but that's the ability to bring in content from Google Drive, mm-hmm. which you can do on the app, but you can't do on the web. You can bring in a doc, a Google Slide Deck, or PDF into your Jamboard, and you can scroll through it like you would... On, on, on a browser, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the best thing is you can actually drag out pages from your PDF or slides from your slide deck and put them onto the page and then resize them so that they're bigger and much more legible. And I think that's really really interesting idea. Yeah. Like if you wanted to have on there, like, I don't know, you want to talk about a study guide or something for yeah. students and put that on there, yep. you can just pull that over into your Jamboard and enlarge it and and have it right there. You can't do that on the web. Yeah. But if you do it on a mobile device, it will sync to the web version so that your kids, if they're not using iPads or whatever, they don't have to have that ability. But you as the teacher can bring that over if you want Mm -hmm. to. Yeah, that was really neat. When you were playing with it, we're like, oh my gosh, we had no idea this was even a thing. Yeah, it was like a 30-page PDF. I'm scrolling Scrolling through through and I'm like, wow. That's awesome. So um, one of the things that I think we would both like to point out is that because Jamboard has become wildly popular, um, it's also become much easier to come up with these Jamboard templates to kind of help get you started. So you've done a great job of really curating some um, links here for Jamboard templates. Um, Some of these templates, too, um, something that is – that we often share with teachers is the um, Project Zero thinking routines, that these templates are really attached are attached to an instructional strategy. It, there is, of course, with Jamboard, the ability to just have brainstorming or a KWL or something like that, which mm-hmm. is actually a thinking routine. But um, using some of these ideas, you could really 
make it more about the instruction as opposed to just a brainstorming um, space. So lots of different resources here that we will share in the show notes so that you can check them out and go shopping, if you will, for some free Jamboard templates. Yeah, those uh, Project Zero thinking routine ones are from evolveedtech.com. They've got like three different collections, but only one of them is modeled off that uh, Project Zero ones. Right. Um, other places you could look, I've, I've been finding them in Canva now yeah. and they're not really like Jamboard templates. Yeah. I, mean, I think if you search for Jamboard, you might find them, but if you just search for whiteboard templates, okay. you'll find a bunch in there and you just save it as an image mm-hmm. and upload it as a background image on sure. there. I did see a friend of the show, Eric Kurtz has this great blog post on creating Jamboard math activities using Equatio. Okay. So Equatio is that tool that is uh, done by the same people that do read and write. I'm trying to think of their company name. Text help. Text help is the correct answer. Well done. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So he's got a little 12-minute video of how to create some um, math activities nice. for students using the Equatio okay. app. Now, Equatio is a paid app for students, but it, it is 100% free for s- teachers. Okay. So if you get the teacher version, yeah. you can come in here and create some math problems using the Equatio app. So okay. just Jamboard doesn't have like an equation editor or anything like that. Equatio does. It has like, you know, fraction tools. It has graphs. It has shapes. It has you know, angles and protractors and all kinds of other stuff that you can use. Anything you might need for math, basically. Mm-hmm. And he combines it quite nicely. He's got like one where he's got like some clock faces up and then the sticky notes above it are like drag the sticky note to the right clock face and oh, things. So sure. it's kind of a, a a traditional type of idea you might do, but putting it into a Jamboard format. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're thinking of making some of that stuff digital, you should take a look at that one. Yeah, okay. Well, the other one that you have on here is um, Jake Miller creating background templates. Um, so he's using Google Slides as the way to create the template. Mm, so yeah. what I would say about this is that in Google Slides, like to me, I think, okay, well, why would you then take it out of there and put it into Jamboard? The nice thing about uh, creating it in Google Slides is that then you can take a screenshot of it and it becomes like this immovable object in the background of a Jamboard. So you can kind of smash those two things together and make something a little bit better in Jamboard. Yeah. And you don't even have to take a screenshot. You can just file save it as a, yeah. a JPEG, as a JPEG or something. Yeah. yeah that's a good but point. Like you said, he, he, he puts a lot of different elements in there. If you left that in slides, they become draggable and stuff because you can't yeah. really lock stuff in slides, I guess. Yeah, you can, can't you? I mean, you could... Save your slide as a background right. image and then yeah. upload it. You know yeah. that it's just way. Just a lot of steps, in. right? It would be more steps. Yeah. yeah. So, right. if you want some hints, Jake's got those, yep. including like you know you want to make sure you have the right dimensions for mm-hmm. your slide, so he resizes the slide deck to make it the right size for a Jamboard and stuff. That's all in there too. Mm-hmm. And then I stole your tech nugget, Mindy, as well, didn't I? <laughs> well, kind of ish. I mean, let's be serious. My tech nuggets always happen about ten minutes before the show starts, and mm. I found this. And you're like, "Well, yeah, that's in the notes." I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> never mind." I keep searching. <laughs> yeah, I found a tweet online from Alexandra House, okay. um, and she was demonstrating how to add a GIF timer, yeah, to a Jamboard. 
Yep. Now, when she did this, I mean, this tweet's from December last year. Okay. You could go into, like, insert image and search the web for gift timers. Right. They don't seem to show up anymore, but if you just Google, like, a two-minute gift timer, you'll find them on different websites, and then you can upload them to your Jamboard slide. Right. It can't be, like, a YouTube video timer. Like, Correct. we're so used to using it. It and has slides. to be a GIF to work in Jamboard. Yes. yes. And as soon as you upload it, it will start playing automatically. Yeah. It starts ticking yeah. down. Now, if it's on another slide or whatever yeah, that you've frame. not got to yet, frame, yes, yes thank you. <laughs> if it's on another frame that you've not got to yet, then it doesn't start until you go to that frame. But yeah. if you just want to, I don't know, give kids like five minutes to yeah. brainstorm some ideas, you can upload that gift timer, throw it on there, and they have got a visual nice. impression of how long that's going to be. Yeah. All right. Last Jamboard tip. Okay. You can use the copy URL trick mm -hmm. to make multiple copies of a Jamboard if mm -hmm. you need to. So not quite a template, but, mm -hmm. you know, if you wanted to share a Jamboard that you set up with, I don't know, another teacher in your building or something, mm -hmm. um, then you can change the end of the URL to be slash copy. Mm -hmm. And when they click on it, it's going to force them to make a copy of your Jamboard. Oh, so this makes me wonder, and I think this the answer is probably yes, but I'm going to ask you to see if you know. Mm -hmm. So in Google Classroom, if you post it as an assignment, does it automatically make a new copy for each student? I have not done a Jamboard assignment. Yeah. I wonder if that's true. I bet that makes sense. I feel like it would. Yeah, me too. Someone yeah. try and let us know. People have already tried this, I'm Mindy. sure they're like, duh, geez. <laughs> it's because we don't live. How did live... you get this job, lady? <laughs> yeah, we don't live in Google Classroom that's very right. much anymore. So, right. yeah. People know how to use it. I guess, they? yeah. Okay. So there you go. Anything else we should know about Jamboard? Mm, we covered all the shot. bases. Yeah, give it a shot. Send us your favorite Jamboard tips. Yeah. We'll put them in use and follow up for yeah, our next episode. Yeah, that'd be episode. great. That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. My favorite part of the show is up next. It's Tech Nuggets. Is this still your favorite part of the show, Mindy? I just or is feel that like just, it's supposed to be what I say. Is that I part don't of your vocabulary now? Yeah, probably. It's, like, <laughs> it's just what you say. So take it away. Give us a tech nugget. All right. So this one I found kind of by accident, and it's in the Google world, so take that with a grain of salt. But so the other day I was putting a link into a Google Doc that uh, was one of the URL hacks. So you just mentioned taking off the edit part of a Jamboard URL and putting copy instead. And I had done that in a Google Doc because I wanted that, I didn't know how they would need to use that link. So I pasted the whole thing as opposed to like a hyperlink where I would have put the title of it, whatever, and then linked that text. Yeah. So I put the long text in just as a quick copy and paste. And this little prompt popped up asking if I wanted to add it like as a button. Yeah. So I was like, well, yeah, of course I do. Why not? Why wouldn't I? And so it made my, uh, it, I think it takes the, the um, title of that doc and makes it a button that you can click on. I don't know with the little with the little dock icon and mm -hmm. yeah, it was kind of neat. It, it looked, um, I don't know. It was very streamlined. It looked pretty, I guess. So yeah, it, I just put, I just copied our dock yeah into the dock, and it said tab to replace with. It did because yeah. I tried it before and I couldn't get it to do it, and so I'm like, it must just be URL hacks. 
It's not. I wonder then if it has to do with the permissions too, because when I first tried to do it, it was like, um, it was just strictly shared with like three people. And so I'm wondering if it has something to do with the permissions then. Mm-hmm. Anyway, play with it a little bit, right? Like you should definitely check it out. And um, it just, if anything, it just looks nice. It's just, yep. a, it, it kind of does a call out to, you know, a, you know, some links that you have within your doc. So. Just a nice kind of inline one too. So you can like yeah. be writing part of a sentence and paste a, a link in for a Google document and it says tab to replace with yep. and you hit tab and it puts it there and then you just keep typing after it. Yeah. And it saves you like highlighting text and yeah. adding a link yeah. and pasting the Command link. K, and then a, Command all B, that stuff. All yeah. The, yeah, all the stuff. Just paste a link and yeah. tab it and go. All right. I like it. Okay. All right. We mentioned Expeditions Pro. Back at the beginning of the show. We did. Going to round it up a little bit with a similar option in some ways. I came across this website called 360 Schools. Mm -hmm. Now, we talked about uh, things being in beta before. Mm -hmm. This one is in alpha. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know what that means. What does that mean if it's in alpha? Alpha comes before beta. So it's it's maybe a little rough around the edges. All right. (laughs) Um, But it lets you... Explore some 360 images in your browser. Mm -hmm. And these uh, can be like click and drag type of things, or you can switch over to like a headset view and see it that way too. Um, So, different ways to view them. They've got these 360 tours from all over the world that you can look at, kind of similar to like Google Expeditions. They're not sectioned out into like parts where you would click okay so here is the Champs-Élysées here is the Eiffel Tower here is the you know Notre Dame or whatever all the different places and scenes one scene is one scene is the whole thing Um, and you can uh, share them very easily with students yeah because it integrates with Google Classroom so you can say put it straight into Google Classroom and they can click on the link there they have a QR code so if you do have a Google Expeditions set or something in your classroom, you can just use a QR code a scanner to scan the QR code, and that will take them straight to the 360 experience. Hmm. And you can also copy the link to it as well, too. Nice. They are also working on a kind of a tour builder type of deal, too, where you can create your own tours. But that's I think that's still um, in the works. And uh, anything that you find on there site can also be embedded in a website nice. too. You All right. embed code. Everything is free right now. 360 schools is how we completely say right now. free. Yeah. I mean, it's an alpha, right? <laughs> so, sign up and access hundreds of thousands of incredible 360 panoramas available on any device. You can embed them in class blogs, LMS, class feeds, and other websites. Well, all right then. Guided tours are on their roadmap for things to come in the future. So I think maybe they are also trying to capitalize on the demise of Google Mm. Expeditions. Well, you know. They're trying to get ones where you can have them offline as well, which I think would be interesting. So Mm. also collaboration features where students can team up with other students from around the world to create guided tours together. Nice. So it's schools.360cities. Dot net. Good one. Maybe. We'll see. If it ever gets out of alpha. Keep an eye on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so I have a review 
Seesaw Tech Nugget. And then one that I think is fairly new, possibly. One of them is the Seesaw Visual Instructions. So if, if you are a Seesaw user, you may have noticed in the activity library that um, teachers that have already created activities might have those visual instructions that have the icons built in from Seesaw. And I had somebody ask me the other day, how do you, how do you get those in there? And so I thought, okay, well, Maybe this is a tech nugget that needs to be reviewed. There is a doc that comes from Seesaw that gives you what I would call, and I'm using air quotes, code for you to put in as those Seesaw icons. And it is a colon and then the keyword that they have on their doc that's assigned to that visual instruction and then another colon. And so you put that into your your instructions where you'd like a... Um, a visual, and once you save and that activity, when it pops into the actual activity view, like what you would see when you're looking at activities in the activity library, that's when those visual icons will pop up. So they have added a ton of seesaw icons since they first started this, which was, I mean, quite a few years ago, but there are just a ton of Seesaw icons that you can use. So this doc is really nice because it, it's like a key. It has all of the visual icons that you could possibly use, and then right next to it is the text that you could, um, that you would use. A tip I would tell you is that I think it's a good idea to put like two spaces before and two spaces after that visual icon so that there's a little bit of a space also within those instructions. Yeah, and just to reiterate, because you said something that I've also had teachers ask about, and it's when you're in the editing mode for an activity, right? And you put colon photo colon, and mm -hmm. they're like, the the camera Nothing didn't happens. show up. Yeah, right. You've got to save it and like yeah. publish it, well, mm -hmm. or at least save it anyway. I think it's save. I think you've it's got the to button. come out the edit mm -hmm. mode for yeah. it to appear because it doesn't just pop up magically. Right. Then, right? It's like if you were I don't know doing things in the HTML, HTML. editor yeah. or something mm -hmm. like that in Canvas or something like that. You yeah. have to switch back to the visual editor to yep. see all that. So. Yes, good one to have and always good to be reminded. And even if you knew those were there, mm -hmm. just to see what all the latest ones are, you've got a handy little doc here. Yeah. So the last one that I would mention um, that I think is fairly new but is not brand spanking new, but you may not have noticed it on your own, um, is that also in those activities you might be seeing people creating kind of these drag and sort types of activities. Um I tend to play in Seesaw on my computer, so it was really nice. I could just drag photos from my desktop right onto that canvas, and they would become, now that you have this ability to kind of photo collage things, those can be draggable pictures. What you may be noticing is that your students are resizing those pictures to make them enormous or mm -hmm. super, super tiny, <laughs> which you might find somewhat annoying or maybe not. I don't know. Um, so something you can do within that template is within that photo, click on those three little dots, and then you can lock things. You can either lock it in place so that it doesn't move at all, which might have a purpose depending on your activity. The other thing you can do is lock the size so that the students cannot resize that and keeps it the size that you've chosen for when you've created that um, activity template. This takes me back to when I was creating my smart notebooks and I was yeah. locking objects yeah. in place so yeah. the students wouldn't drag those around yeah. and things like that. Right. So, okay. I could see why people would want that. Yeah. 
And it's a fairly new update, but it's fairly just new, but not, not brand super obvious. Thinking new, but it might be something that you haven't seen before. Um, you know, especially if you haven't made those drag and drop picture activities before, it might not be anything that you've ever seen. So yeah. there it is. All right. So my second tech nugget um, is something that I came across in doing some research for a teacher that said, hey, can you come and help me with some stop motion? I've never yeah. done that before. And I was like, absolutely. Sure. And I was like, so what devices do you have? She goes, well, we have iPads, yeah, but we also have Chromebooks. And the students have Chromebooks. So mm-hmm. if the students were able to do it on a Chromebook, that would be great. And mm-hmm. I was like, hmm. Well, the iPad, <laughs> I've got that sorted. Chromebooks, yeah. I... I know there's an extension out there um, that I've used in the past. It's mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. So I threw it on Twitter and I said, hey, is this still the best thing to do stop motion on a Chromebook? Yeah. And I got a nice tweet back from Tim Blizzard, okay. who is from Bradford in the UK. Oh. And uh, he said, hey, you should check out Cloud Stop Motion. And I did check out Cloud Stop Motion. Yeah. And I think this is going to be my go-to tool now for Chromebooks. Nice. It's a nice online uh, stop motion editor. Okay. It's got a multi-track editor. So you can you can take your pictures and have those all on one track. And on different tracks, they've got audio for unlimited tracks. You can have sound effects. You can have nice. music. You can have titles. You can have credits. You can have speech bubbles. And all of this is, like, completely free as far as I can see right now. For now. For now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you get, on a free account, you get um, two gigabytes of storage as standard, unlimited uh, student accounts, unlimited student groups and classes. You can export it out as an MP4 movie. It all saves in the cloud and everything. If you want to set up, like, an organization account, you can also do that too, Mm -hmm. but... I think this, for free, is a really robust and decent tool that's got a lot of great features that you might come to expect. It's not just like snap a picture and turn it into, you know, a stop motion. Yeah. It's, it's like a video editor where yeah. you can, you know, edit and cut and add music and titles and really create a compelling little story. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if you mentioned this because I was also looking at it for the first time. So it says that you can also use it on the iPad. Yeah, it does seem to work on smartphones, laptop, desktop, Chromebooks, and tablets. So if you are just looking to try something different, you like the features that they have. And you have multiple types of devices in your classroom, and you're like... Bring your own device. Yeah, Yeah. right. Everybody's doing stop motion. Yeah, Yeah. right. Give it a go. Yeah. Hmm. Well, all right. So I think that's everything that we have for this episode. Episode 97. For episode 97, yes. <laughs> <laughs> on the final countdown. <laughs> episode 100 better be amazing. Oh my indeed. gosh, we better start Otherwise, we'll know who to blame. Yes, me. But, Sorry. Okay. So, until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. Bye.